0: Welcome to yet another Victory Podcast. No, we haven't changed our name, but we may have to if this soon keeps on. We're still the British Ground Breakdown. This is episode 125. And as always, I'm your host, Tom. And I'm joined as ever by Callum to dissect the Cardinals' seventh win of the season and whatever else we can find to gossip about.
1: Hi, Tom. I mean, I hate to say it, I'm almost getting sick of talking about winning. 7-0. and oh. uh, Undefeated again. Um, what a what a interesting game to talk about as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be one of those ones, you know, we've got plenty of positives to talk about. And as always, there's always a couple of negatives, you know, at the back of your mind that we still have to cover anyway, just for balance.
1: <laughs> well, we need to find something to talk about. And it was hardly the, you know, completely perfect game. You know, uh, there's definitely some negatives to talk about. And on top of that, um, we've actually got some news again this week.
0: Yeah, we've got a couple of items for the news section this week so the first one is that the covid list is emptying for the cardinals
1: going the right direction for the first time in a few weeks
0: yeah the cardinals have now been able to activate both chandler jones and zach allen from the list there was someone else as well but we will talk about them a little bit later on in the episode
1: absolutely Um, yeah
0: the pair are back. I mean, we've missed Chandler Jones for two games now, and we seem to have coped well without him. We coped well without Zach Allen this past week, you know, because we had St. Albans, Josh Morrow in the lineup instead.
1: <laughs> St. Albans, very own, yeah. Um, but no, I think I'm um, overall, obviously, glad to have both of them back in the mix. Um, it would be good for Chandler Jones to, to get the sack race going again. And, uh, of course, yeah, like, obviously just another um, key component of the defence to kind of keep it ticking along. Um glad that we didn't have too much of an issue without him, but obviously him coming back, it's it's only going to be a good thing for the team.
0: Yeah, the pair are back and on the 53-a-man roster as we begin the short week before very early Friday morning football against the Green Bay Packers this week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that in the, um, the game preview. Uh, but yeah, good to have them back for sure.
0: And while we've got them back, there could be someone we're losing in the next week or so, potentially.
1: Yeah, indeed, the um, NFL transfer deadline window is looming. And um, in terms of acquisitions, um, I don't know if there's anybody hugely uh, rumored to be coming to the Cardinals, but um, one name who is uh, – would you would you think it's fair to call him a favorite of the podcast, Tom?
0: Well, I mean, we do like to make occasional references to him, but you know, he's not made much of an impact on the field. So we have to ask the question: Isabella necessary on this team? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I saw it written down, but it's uh, it's very good. Anyway, um, yeah, indeed, um, Andy Isabella, of course, uh, w- you know, one of the Cardinals' many wide receivers. In fact, Tom and I were talking earlier in the week, just on on WhatsApp or whatever. But when's the last time that we really saw Andy Isabella even making a play on special teams? Given that Rondell Moore seems to be doing the return job, and the the thing that we were coming up with was it's not been a not been for a few weeks. Yeah, I think he's just basically been a gunner, you know. When he's been active,
0: like so, yeah, he's not really done much, you know. And of course, November the second is the date for your diaries when it comes to the NFL trade deadline. I don't think we get Jim White and all that
1: bullshit like Sky Sports come out with, but <laughs> No, we don't. It's not quite as uh, dramatic as the as the um English football uh, trade deadline. But it is um, you know, an interesting take, especially when, you know, the Cardinals are clearly on a trajectory for a win. Um, this could be more than the trade picks or anything else that we might get in uh, more than the picks that we might get in return in for the trade. Um it might be more interesting in terms of freeing up another space on that fifty-three man roster.
0: Yeah, I mean it's one of those things. I like, obviously we got him from the selection that we got from Miami when we yeah. traded them Josh Rosen. But since then he's not really done much, has he in the NFL? You know, he's had a couple of long touchdowns and then not really much else.
1: Yeah, I mean we saw him a bit more on the field last year. Um, as you said, he got in for a couple of long touchdowns, but he was hardly what you would call like a favourite target of Kyler Murray. Um, and then this year, saw him on a couple special teams plays. Maybe last time we saw him about out and about was the Rams game, possibly. I'm
0: trying to think I think he did he was active last week, I think, but he wasn't but obviously for this past game, no.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, but it's also like active versus doing anything as you said you know like being activated as a gunner um that's that's all well and good that's fine but it's also you know when the cardinals have such depth at wide receiver and return talent um you have to be wondering you know is he worth more as some draft picks and or as i said that that space and in the cap and on the uh on the roster
0: well, I mean, like like you say, the additions of AJ Green and Rondale Moore this past offseason. You know, he's far down the pecking order. I mean, he's even behind Antoine Wesley, isn't he? Because he's he always is, active. Yeah. And Isabella just stays on his, in his street clothes on the sideline every game.
1: Yeah. So you know, and I, I, the thing is, is I think the the biggest problem with um, trading Isabella at the moment is the fact that he's not got uh much nfl film you know he's not got much tape to his name so his value in that regard might be limited but at least what he's got on tape is interesting and and um quite impressive we know he's got speed we know he's got route running ability and we know that he you know can catch the ball so um what we would get for him in return i don't know but like i could definitely see the, the team at least shopping him out
0: Well, I mean, it's more that they've received inquiries about him, so it does seem like there is interest around the league from teams if they were able to acquire him should he become available. So, it could be we have a we have a buyer in mind. It's just trying to work out what's fair in return. Yeah, it's like you say. I don't think we'll get much in return. Like you're probably thinking, like a day three selection, perhaps. Something
1: or, along those lines, yeah.
0: Or it might even be used as like a make weight in another trade deal. You know, like we're trying to bring someone in, so it's like them come to, they come to Arizona, we send them Andy Isabella plus a pick in return,
1: something yeah, like that. Yeah, some something like that, absolutely. And you know, there's like plenty of teams who do not have wide receiver depth at all. And I think you know, in terms of uh, like for Andy Isabella, you might be looking at that going like, well, at least this would be somewhere I'd be getting playing time.
0: Exactly. And I mean, a change of scenery could do him good because, you know, I think he does have a place in the NFL. It's just it's just doesn't seem to be in Arizona because of all the talent we've got already. You know, he's like he's he's probably at least like eight, four, ninth option probably on the offense.
1: I was going to say he's he's taking a seat in the Cardinals most uh, busy room, let's say, or like most um, most talented room and probably the most talented wide receiver room in the NFL overall, at least the most di- uh, deep in talent, let's say.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're definitely up there, you know, when it comes to like the top wide receiver groups in the NFL, we, you know, with DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, Zach Ertz, you know,
1: I was going like to say, yeah, now, so now many we've weapons. got like Zach Ertz and that in there as well. And, and yeah, it's um, yeah. I, I would be in in some ways sad to see Andy Isabella go. I know there's a certain component of um, fans on on Twitter and on Reddit who would be delighted to see him go. Um, But, uh, you know, I I think given a smart enough trade, um, it would be worth it. And especially like we've talked before this season about how management and ownership seems to be um, very dedicated to going for the win this year. So I could see them, you know, Trimming excess fat, but only for the purposes of bringing somebody in this this year, you know, like only for improvement to the team now, as opposed to improvement to the team later.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'd be annoyed at losing him as well because I've got a signed Andy Isabella jersey, which would become completely worthless.
1: <laughs> oh well, maybe he'll make it big somewhere else someday, and you can uh, hold on to it for that.
0: I mean, it could always go in a fire, you know. I'm sure your neighbors are doing a fire, aren't they? Do you think you've got room for another thing? <laughs>
1: I think they're already too busy burning Man United jerseys after uh, Sunday there, but um, I mean, you could probably sneak one in. It's the same colors.
0: Yeah. Should we move on to the game recap then? Because, you know, yet another victory to talk about for the Cardinals.
1: Yeah, indeed. Um, Arizona Cardinals 31, Houston Texans 5. Uh, game in Arizona, which for some reason all week I was convinced was going to be in Texas. So I'm glad I wasn't trying to drive to a stadium or anything. Um But yeah, another home game against the Texans, and um, I mean, I think we should get straight into the negatives because the Cardinals pretty much went straight in with negatives.
0: Yeah, I mean, like obviously the sluggish start that the Arizona Cardinals started with—you know, not many people would have predicted that the Texans would jump out to a five-nothing lead, and yet here we are. And of course, the Manchester United supporting Cardinals fans were definitely having a sense (laughs) of deja vu, given their earlier scoreline in the day against Liverpool.
1: And not just that, but a team in white putting up five points on a team in red as well. It was, uh, yeah, something else. But um, no, indeed, 5 five nothing down, um, which is, you know, a weird score already. Giving up a safety was a strange one, especially for the Cardinals. And then obviously um, letting them then march up the field and take a field goal after, you know, two, I would say, sluggish drives against um, from our offense. Well, yeah, I
0: mean, like, before that, the Card- we were 5-0 down before the Cardinals' offense even managed to do a single thing. You know, it was like... I'm sure I saw that they had something like one yard of offense, but I'm not sure if that's uh, correct. They or.
1: had they had zero yards of offense in the first quarter. Can you believe?
0: I know, that's just mental. I mean, obviously
1: part of that is the fact that they had... You know, they, they did get positive drives, don't get me wrong, but then they also had a few times when Houston got just deep into the backfield and got big, big sacks a couple times.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously the Texans came out really fired up for this game.
1: Yeah, I think they probably did. And, and you know, can you blame them, right? You know, if you are coming in as arguably one of the worst teams in the entire NFL and you're coming to the home of, um, despite what certain power rankings may say, the best team in the NFL... And you've just been hearing all week that it's going to be a blowout and everything else. Of course, you're going to come in with a bit of fight, and you're going to come in going like, "I really want to hit that Kyler Murray guy." Well,
0: I mean, he did come into the game as well. I think it was twenty point five point underdogs by the time kickoff happened.
1: Yeah, it was an insane amount. You know, it's um, and obviously the final scoreline did uh did cover that, but um, yeah, it was uh, um. Quite, quite the, uh, quite the shocker to start off the game, I would say, with with you know a couple really bum drives from the offense, and um, thankfully the defense not letting them get too much out of it. Like the defense only gave up three points this game.
0: Yeah, I mean obviously things did get a heck of a lot better for the Cardinals, but you know that start coupled with the Kyler injury scare, and of course the referees missing a near beheading of our Ar- Ar- Kyler.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, they got them with a couple of those ones, but there was definitely a couple of um dodgy hits there. I did find it interesting that um the, the commentary team were talking about it for a while there, where they were talking about one of Houston's defensive backs, I can't remember who, had a, a tackle of Kyler where he basically tackled him to the face, to the helmet, and he got done for a rough in the passer with it, which is fair because that's by rule, right? It's like you hit him in the head, you're going to get a problem there. But this is a guy who's like six foot six tackling Kyler, who's five foot ten. It's like, how much lower can they get before he just is not going to physically be able to tackle Kyler before he runs away?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, I think, with that hit you're talking about, it was more the sound than anything else as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was quite a sickening sound, you know, the collision between the two individuals.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's always going to sound bad when it's like the the helmet to the shoulder pads and stuff like that, but it's definitely... Um, there was a few really, really tough hits on Kyler, and you mentioned mentioning there as well the injury scare as well. I think that was at the end of the first quarter, right? Yeah, he,
0: he was on the ground for a little bit. I think he said he had the slight dead leg after it, wasn't it?
1: Uh, yeah, something like that. And he went up and got into the medical tent as well, which is something you never want to see.
0: Yeah, for- fortunately, like he wasn't in it for too long. And, you know, he was soon out on the sidelines when the Cardinals kicked into gear. But that's not the end of our negatives. Sadly, we still got another one to cover.
1: Yeah, indeed. And um, speaking of Kylo Murray getting hit, um, the offensive line.
0: Yeah, they had a really rough outing in this one, you know, and that's being kind to them. I would say that Josh Jones is perhaps the biggest culprit. He seemed to let a lot of pressure get past him.
1: Yeah, but equally, you know, we've got um, as we sort of said there, we've got Max Garcia and um, you know taking point for the moment as well, um, and the offensive line works as a unit. You know, it's it's hard to pinpoint blame on like one individual guy, um, but yeah, I, I would say that you're you're probably right insofar as Josh Jones was the guy who seemed to be getting beaten a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's also Max Garcia, again, with a couple of errant snaps. And I think DJ Humphreys had a couple of flags, you know, a full start or maybe a holding one as uh, well.
1: I can think of two, but I can't think of a third one. But still, you know, it's these these are the kind of flags that, um, you know, obviously when they negate big plays and things, they're obviously really, really tough to deal with. Yeah, I suppose um, the only
0: ones to escape without any criticism were both Justin Pugh and Kelvin Beecher. Although maybe we just didn't notice them messing up.
1: Yeah. Uh, I did, definitely didn't myself. I did notice, however, um, Kelvin Beecham turning up to the stadium in a Tekken outfit, which was amazing.
0: I did not suit that.
1: I, I, you should go on to, I think it's still near the top of his Twitter. So I would recommend if you're, if you're listening and you'd be interested, it's um, a, a picture taken by Justin Pugh of Kelvin Beecham in a like giant Tekken outfit. It looks brilliant. It's so good. I
0: mean, we do have some interesting clothing choices when it comes to the Cardinals players.
1: I think th- I'm not sure how much of this is just like, he thought it would look cool to show up in a Tekken outfit versus how much of it is like, Oh, it's nearly Halloween. I should probably dress up either way. It's cool. I'm, 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 I'm into that. And yeah, as you said, uh, Kelvin Beecham and, and Justin Pugh, both, um, you know, uh, avoiding our scorn for the moment, but, um, offensive line, interestingly, wasn't that badly graded for pass protection. Um, so the interesting thing here, I guess, is that it's, it's not so much that they were bad on an NFL scale, although they were definitely in the bottom half. They were just like not as good as we're used to. Yeah, I mean, it was a
0: strange on because it's not like Houston Texans are known for having a good pass rusher these days because, you know, we seem to swipe him from them. yeah
1: we did we did indeed take him away but yeah they've not they've not got like it's not like oh the Texans are really bad but their pass rush is amazing or something like that it's just like oh no they they just were able to get to the second level a lot and it obviously didn't help that we were um we were not keeping Zach Ertz back for the sake of more blocking for the majority of the game I think most times that Zach Ertz was on the field he was out running routes yeah, and what, what a addition he was to the roster. I uh, Do you know what? I can't keep myself from getting positive anymore. Shall we just move on to the positives?
0: Yeah, and really, how can we lead possibly lead with anything other than this score being the 1,068th unique score in NFL history, colloquially known as a scorigami. which means that never in the 18,000-plus NFL games in history has there ever been a thirty-one-five scoreline? So you know that's something to take from it.
1: It's pretty cool though, isn't it? It's like, uh, yeah, just interesting. Uh, cool thing is created by John Boys, who's currently working for Secret Base now. It's definitely worth checking out. There's like a YouTube video of him creating the algorithm for it, um, which is it's just interesting to see.
0: I mean, it probably would bore most people to death, but you know, if you're into numbers, that sort of thing, you
1: know, you might enjoy it. <laughs> hey, it's it's definitely interesting, even if you're not that into numbers. But still, um, yeah, thirty-one-five, interesting, um, interesting scoreline, that's for sure. And I think anytime you get a safety in a game, it's always going to be an interesting scoreline.
0: Yeah, I mean, we should also say thanks to the Houston Texans because you know, if they didn't score five points, it wouldn't be a scoring army. So thank you, Houston, yeah, for doing tri- your part.
1: And equally, you know, I've already mentioned up the top there that, um, you know, the defense did only technically let um, three points in. And that does, in fact, give us not only the uh, number one defense in points allowed per game, but also the uh, single highest points differential.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Cardinals' defense is ranked number one with 16.29 points per game. And they also ranked fourth with offense
1: in points scored per game at 33.14. So we're pretty much outscoring, on on average, we're outscoring our opponents two to one, which is pretty exciting.
0: So basically, for like when you go for predictions for the Cardinals, just go for like 33.17 or something like that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. On average, you're going to be about
0: correct, but
1: yeah. Um,
0: And also the game was the sixth time this year that the Cardinals were allowed 20 points or fewer. And the sixth time they'd scored thirty plus points per game, and both totals that also lead the NFL.
1: That's so wild, isn't it? Well, I mean, but- like you know, of all the years that we've been doing this, Tom, you know, we've we've talked about good Cardinal streaks and stuff before, but quite often we were having to dig quite deep to talk about like, oh yeah, they're the best team in the NFL when it comes to X, Y, Z. But these days, it's more like there's there's just so many different things that you could say.
0: I think we remember the
1: parts where,
0: you know, our punter was the best one in the NFL. Because that's what <laughs> yeah. we had to escape the barrel for.
1: <laughs> oh, do you remember how many awards that we gave to punters for player of the game?
0: I wish we didn't have to, but, you know, that's just what it was at the time. Thankfully, it really it's not was, one of yeah. those times at the moment.
1: Yeah, definitely not. Um, and, you know as I said, the, the whole team firing together really nicely and both offense and defense working really well. Uh, defense pretty much the whole way through, offense uh, every time except the first quarter. Um, but I guess there's bound to be some teething problems when you've got a different head coach from last week.
0: Well, yes, I mean, obviously the big news, well, the big positive from this one is that Cliff Kingsby returned to the sidelines. After delivering his second negative test at around two thirty PM our time, Cliff Kingsbury was allowed on the sidelines to coach his Cardinals team. After spending a week chilling in his luxurious, luxuri- after spending a week chilling in his luxurious crib, game planning for the Texans game, and also getting a head start on Green Bay preparations.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, if there was a nice place to self isolate, it's probably Cliff Kingsbury's house, isn't it? Um. But yeah, it was, um, obviously, uh, we talked about it last week. I think um, we did well in his absence and and the playbook and stuff obviously spoke for itself there. But um, having the man himself back on the sidelines, um, I don't doubt that that was a big thing for the team managing to turn itself around in the second quarter. Yeah, I mean, the slow first quarter had its usual dumb, hated
0: takes coming out on Twitter. I mean, jokes or not, you know. we saw far too many of those bring back Whipple tweets, you know. Yeah. It's like really dumb, like, you know.
1: People do that like the minute. It's like, oh, we didn't gain positive yards on that play. Bring back Whipple. It's like, oh, okay.
0: I mean, before last week, they had no idea who the hell the guy was.
1: <laughs> and yeah. I mean, uh, now officially, uh, after last, yeah, no, it, it is now officially this week that uh, Cliff Kingsbury has a winning record in the NFL.
0: Well, I mean, technically it was last week because he did go to 19, 18 and 1, but this week he's now 20, 18 and 1. So this
1: week he's actually here for it as well. Yeah.
0: I mean, he still got the win last week, even though he technically he did, wasn't yeah. there. Yeah.
1: He was still the named head coach at the time. I mean, it's um,
0: exactly, it's not like we've got many head coaches in Arizona or even Cardinals history that have had a winning record in the NFL. I think he's only Bruce Arians I, I, and I, some guy in the 70s.
1: I was going to say Bruce Arians only just had one as well. As in only just, as in like games. He's only on, only just winning.
0: Oh, uh, I thought you meant like only just like he was like a few years ago, something like that.
1: Ah, oh, no, no, no. I. Uh, it might have been though because he. Uh, uh, anyway, who 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 remembers these things specifically? But yeah, definitely um, one of a, a very short few. Uh, is Cliff Kingsbury, and I'm definitely glad to have him back on the sidelines. I think he's going to be, he was, you know, instrumental, as I said, in turning the team around after the first quarter this time, I think. And um, I do think, obviously, he will have a big role to play uh, in the game against Green Bay.
0: Yeah, the uh, second positive I've got down here is the fact that the Cardinals scored 31 unanswered points, which, you know, in what was billed as a David Johnson revenge game, it seemed pretty appropriate that the Cardinals overcame their slow start to put up that amount of points.
1: <laughs> yeah, just put up 31, the same as his jersey number, just to just to prove a point. But um, no, absolutely, it was, um, yeah, 31 unanswered points is a pretty dominant display, all things considered. And especially, I mean, I, I may be wrong here, but, to me, it looked like everyone in that stadium knew that the game was lost for the Texans by the time that, like, even you know halfway through the third quarter came up.
0: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really like, like, even when they were five nil up, it's not like they really showed much, did they? Because like the offense was just terrible. Like, yeah, checkdowns to David Johnson all game you know, short passes to Brandon Cooks every now and then. And I think they hit the tight end a couple of times, but, you know, apart from that, the quarterback's just terrible.
1: Yeah, which is, you know, to be expected, I think, especially given all of the off-the-field drama that they're dealing with just now. Um, but the fact that, yeah, that they're just, you know, clearly in a, in a rebuild phase and everything. I think, to be honest, the, the team knew after that that they... There was just no getting a win out of it, and and honestly, I think the Cardinals also looked at it like that. They were like, "Okay, we've got this game in hand. We can pretty much ease off and chill out a little bit, and not risk too many injuries to people, and we'll just, you know, go out there and do our job." And and um, you know, despite the fact that as we sort of said, thirty-one unanswered, there, uh, I do think that it, there was like. Touchdowns left off the table. <clears throat> excuse me, off the table that could have been had in in another circumstance.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, obviously Arizona could only, could only beat what was in front of them, and it just wasn't impressing anyone anyway. You know, yeah. Exactly. I suppose I suppose we shouldn't undersell the best team in the NFL because they were brilliant once the first quarter was in the rearview mirror. Kyler Murray himself making a new, numerous exceptional plays. You know, there was that one where he hit. DeAndre Hopkins on the sidelines after weaving in and out of a couple of Texans. You know, that was just a ridiculous play, wasn't it?
1: It was, yeah. And I think that that one was... Um, it was just such a beautiful pass as well. And again, you know, there's a couple of passes that Kyler threw in that game that, that really do... And I know it's almost cliche to say now, but they really do have that baseball signature to them. I'm thinking of the, the short touchdown pass to Hopkins as well. It was like throwing off the wrong foot, you know, and it was just, like, totally lateral and low. Like, almost an underhanded throw.
0: Yeah, if you want to talk about that, though, the path to DeAndre Hopkins, the way, like, Kyler contorts his body just to get that throw off, is just ridiculous.
1: (laughs) It's like, how can you even do that? It doesn't look humanely possible. That's the weird thing, isn't It's like, every time you watch Kyler, you're looking at him, you're like, there's... There's literally any point in the stride that the pass could come. You know, when you're watching a lot of other quarterbacks, you you see the full wind up and you can like watch the steps because the steps of all quarterbacks are, are thought out, right? They're always thrown off of the right step at the right point in the in the um in, in the run. Whereas with Kyler, I feel like it's like it could come at any time, you know. And I think that is probably just disorienting in itself to a defense. Never yeah, mind I mean- trying to keep up with them.
0: Yeah, the amount of times he throws off his back foot as well. It's like you know, any other quarterback throws that, it's probably getting picked off, isn't it? But somehow Kyler manages to like complete it to his receiver and his receiver alone.
1: Yeah, I mean, speaking of of uh, of picks, I know it's a negative, but we, and we didn't really mention it. Should we talk about that that weird pick?
0: I mean, I I just think Kyler put a bit too much on the ball. You know, trying to get it over the defensive line. Over the linebacker and into Zach Ertz, but he just put a little bit too much on it.
1: You think he was going for Ertz then?
0: I think he was the only one in the area, so yeah, it was definitely for Ertz.
1: I thought somebody else must have blown
0: their route. I mean, there was a couple of times where he did miss, didn't he? Because like there was that one to Ertz. I mean, he hit he missed Zach Ertz on the goal line as well.
1: He did. And then
0: he also DeAndre Hopkins was wide open. And he could have oh, just yeah, the one where he was... Into, yeah. Yeah, he was, like, was
1: like waving for it a few times. No,
0: not no, that one. It was... Because that one where he was waving for it, that was the one where Kyler... That's the one
1: where he actually got it, isn't it? Yeah.
0: But like, Came back for it. Yeah, earlier in the game, there was one where Kyler just overthrew it. Like It was like a rainbow pass. Yeah. And it was probably like oh, five yeah, or ten yards right. in front of
1: Hopkins. You're right. Which is like two steps for Hopkins, but still... um. Yeah, and it just, like, plonked down right in the middle of the end zone.
0: Yeah, yeah, that would have been an easy touchdown, but just yeah, missed it.
1: Um, that being said, I mean, there was probably still, despite those passes that we've just mentioned there, there were still more good passes than bad. I mean, that that ridiculous deep ball to AJ Green.
0: Oh, that was insane. Like, I mean, you like you say about seeing the quarterbacks moving their feet, you know, the amount of foot movements Kyler puts into that one. Just like yeah. goes back into the pocket, then steps up into the pocket, and just delivers like the most pinpoint, precise pass you probably could, like over the I, over the cornerback in front of a safety, right into AJ Green's hands. It's just I think, um,
1: however much we talk about it, Tom, we can't really do it justice in the way that Pat McAfee did the other night. Um, I mean,
0: he has a way with words, doesn't he?
1: <laughs> <laughs> he he does, yeah. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, um, go and check on the British Bird Gang Twitter. I think Tom retweeted it, um, but there's a clip from the Pat McAfee show where he's just talking about how exciting Kyler is to watch, and um, he has he has just an excellent way of explaining it, and uh, yeah, I'd, I'd highly recommend giving it a watch.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, it's just Kyler Mori, Like, what more can you really say about him? He's just An insanely good player, and we're just glad he's a cardinal, aren't we?
1: Yeah, I mean, talking about you know analysis, and without getting too deep into the numbers, you just need to know that he's he's top five for completion percentage, um, pass yards, rushing to passing TDs, rushing TDs uh, among quarterbacks, uh, quarterback racing, and passer rating, all while being seven and zero.
0: I mean, if that's not MVP start to a season, I don't know
1: what is. Yeah, I know, right. I mean, you can't not be having him in, in conversation for MVP. Um I mean it's, it's just, not like
0: it's not like he's alone in that conversation though, because you know, no. Josh Allen over in Buffalo I was, is jo- having a ridiculous good season, you know. Tom Brady at like seventy two is like
1: he's yeah. looking good <laughs> perennial, as well. perennial uh you know, perennial uh, contender for that. But and neither neither of them have a team that's seven and oh though. That's true.
0: And also, I think I was looking at the betting earlier in the week. Like, Kylo Murray and Josh Allen are now seven to two for the MVP. So anyone who had yeah anyone who had Kyle at like twenty two to one, like myself, you know, (laughs) laughing yeah
1: they'd be pretty pleased with that one. But no, that's um that's that's uh you know it's all pretty good statistics and stuff. But it's he's also um, on top of that. Again without going too much into the to the numbers and stuff he's considered to be one of the safer hands as well, which is interesting because um so usually when they talk about like a quarterback being safe with passes, they're saying like oh they're not throwing into stupid coverage they're not throwing big deep balls that are difficult to catch. they're not throwing these bullets that are difficult to catch. but the interesting thing is that Kyler Murray is doing all of that and is still considered safe which says two things to me. It says, number one, Kyler Murray can throw a ball into an absolute bucket. He can just throw one into a bread basket from a long distance away. Um, and number two, the wide receiver court is so good that it's making it look easy.
0: Do you think the other quarterbacks are glad that they don't do that bucket challenge anymore? Because you would never <laughs> win it with Kyler Murray, would
1: they? Yeah. yeah, I know, right? Like His pass um, accuracy is insane even when he's under extreme pressure as well. I think that's an interesting thing.
0: I mean, we could spend uh, like the whole podcast just raving over Kyler Murray, but we do have other positives to talk about.
1: Remind me to talk to you after this, Tom, about setting up a Kyler Murray podcast as well. We can just get it all out of our systems. Release it. and Nobody, nobody has to listen to us.
0: We'll move on to our next positive before we do that, though. So, DeAndre Hopkins, he now has the honour of being a player who has caught at least one pass against every NFL franchise.
1: I did not know that. I missed that.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, being a long-time Texan, he's never been able to catch a pass against them, has he?
1: Yeah, of course. But still, I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty cool.
0: I'm not sure how many have actually done it before, but obviously I'm sure Jerry Rice has done it because, you know, he's literally done everything.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that like, you know, it's one of those things where where any player that's been around for a long time and has also had like a uh you know a spell at more than one team has probably
0: done it. But although there is one thing Jerry Rice didn't do, and that was catch a get a pass against the Houston Texans because they were never around in his year.
1: That's true, yeah. I mean, I suppose the Oilers might have been around, but then they went off to be Tennessee.
0: Yeah, but they don't count, do they? So, you know, DeAndre Hopkins they won, Cherry Rice no. <laughs>
1: Um Hopkins had an excellent game, I would yep. say. An excellent uh, revenge game.
0: Yeah, I mean, he might not have had a ton of receiving yards, but he made some great catches, you know. And it was also revealed by Cliff Kingsbury that they were planning on using him a lot more, but they never needed to roll it out in the game just because of how out of hand it was getting, you know, with the scoreline
1: yeah and that's that's when i was sort of saying and what i was meaning before it's like there is no you know like if they were planning on using hopkins a lot more on like big deep balls but there's no point if he if the game's going that well and it's that out of hand what's the point in having him absolutely sprint his way up the field to maybe catch a pass to maybe go you know 38 points up or 35 points up or whatever
0: yeah i mean you may as well just save those sort of plays until we need them in another game you know one exactly. that's closer, one that we will need him to step up a lot more
1: in. Save his legs. You save the uh, surprise of the play. Maybe you know, just keep it off of film. All I that mean, it wasn't.
0: It was a nice touchdown grab from him, though. You know, nice play design from Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah.
1: And I, I already mentioned an excellent throw there, but like the um, ability to catch that one, you know, you I think you do need to be like a, a sort of. Maybe not top ten, but like you know, you'd be like a top top thirty wide receiver to be hauling that one in for sure because it was an absolute bullet directed right at the numbers. Um, in a in a you know high pressure situation.
0: Yeah, I mean DeAndre Hopkins, you know, he's another one. What really more can you say about him? Because you know we know he's like literally the best in the NFL at the moment. Well, I mean, some people would disagree with that, but.
1: I think yeah. there's plenty there's plenty of reasons to disagree, but like you can't you can't be saying you know what like every week when we talk about um, danger men going into a game, you know you can't not be having Hopkins at the top of your list.
0: Yeah, I mean especially when it's like going against the Arizona Cardinals, but although we do have like loads of weapons, like we have Kyle himself, we've got John J. Hopkins, we got other guys yeah. we're going to talk about as well.
1: Absolutely, and uh, well, actually speaking of a of a pair of them. Um, we definitely had a, a good time running the ball this time.
0: Yeah, both James Connor and Chase Edmonds had a, another solid outing. I mean, granted, it was against the Houston Texans, and most of the time they were running the ball just to like run the clock out. But you know, you can't take it away from them. They both delivered. I think they both had like over eighty yards rushing as well, didn't they?
1: Uh they did. Yeah. Um, and and interesting, it's like quite often it seemed to be. Um, uh, Chase Edmonds obviously doing a lot of the uh, infield work, you know, like doing the receiving, doing the like rushing at the time. And then um, James Connor obviously coming in when it came to more sort of red zone situations. But both of them were doing lots of work all around the field. And, and then obviously, as you said, um, James Connor continuing to get a touchdown there.
0: It's a shame that Chase Edmonds continues to dodge the end zone though, doesn't he?
1: I just think it's the situations that he's put up in, you know?
0: Yeah, I think like like you say, if it's in a red zone we're probably going to go for James Conner a lot more, aren't we? But like if it's like, say, the fringe it's like the 30-yard line, something like that Chase Edmonds is the guy who you might be able to get a quick pass out to, then he does the yeah. rest to make it into the end zone for a touchdown.
1: I think the, the problem is there, it's like, just as we've been talking about it's like such a talented wide receiver core that you're going to you know, have an issue checking down to him. You know, it's like by the time you get to your uh, your sixth option on the passing chart, either something's gone horribly wrong and Kyler's scrambling, or somebody else is open.
0: I mean, with Chase Edmonds, so he is quite quite a lot of the time. He does seem to be one of Kyler's first reads, doesn't he? Because like that's true. The amount yeah. of time it- he just sends a quick pass out to him. It's like, yeah, we know that's where he's going all along.
1: Yeah, I mean, that tends to be on more kind of short-yardage situations, though, which, again, when it comes to red zone, that kind of red red zone short-yardage, you're getting um, James Connor in there. And uh, otherwise, you've got Chase Edmonds. Then again, you know, we see two back sets sometimes. It's only a matter of time. He'll he'll be in there for sure at some point, given the amount we've been uh, spreading touchdowns around the teams this season so far.
0: Yeah, I mean, and also James Conner has... Matched his season total from last year already, just into week seven of the season. It's
1: pretty good going, right? I mean, I, I definitely would say that um, this scheme has benefited James Connor a lot more than it did in Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, I mean, like in Pittsburgh, he was like just the main bell cow, wasn't he? When he's he in, was yeah. now he's in Arizona. He's splitting load with both James with both Chase Edmonds and Mori.
1: Yeah and I think as well you know it's like that's the kind of thing that can be a huge benefit when it comes to the red zone you know if you're James Conner and, and you've either just gruelingly marched down the field including like three or four runs from you and lots of blocking and everything or you've had a nice sit down on the bench you come into the red zone and you're you're fresh legs essentially
0: Yeah another player who is maybe not fresh legs in terms of his NFL career but Fresh legs for Arizona to utilise is Zach Ertz.
1: Yeah, Zach Ertz obviously making his uh, Cardinals debut this week.
0: Although maybe we should call him Yak Ertz
1: <laughs> for yards after catch, of course.
0: Yeah, and yeah, what might have been for him in his debut because you know Kyle Murray missed him on a couple more attempts. Then he was brought shut down short of the goal line on a run because yep. you know that's what we do in Arizona now. We send the tight ends on a run.
1: hey i'm I'm all for it i'm all for it but he did in fact he did get himself a uh, touchdown on on his debut right
0: yep and also he now has his gloves in the heading their way to the pro football hall of fame because he became the first player to score a touchdown for different teams in consecutive weeks of the same season
1: that's so wild isn't it you because you think of all the in-season trading and stuff that happens i suppose so often people just like they're either still not ready to play at that point or they are, um, you know, just just never get into a touchdown package. But there he was, you know. The, he he seemed to not be limited, I would put it that way, as a, as a description of the plays that Zach Ertz was in.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was definitely used all over the place in this game and used quite a lot. I think he was probably... I've not looked at the snap counts, but I would assume no tight end come in, it came anywhere near him. Yeah,
1: to I, 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 to be honest, it's it's hard to keep track of these things when you're watching the game live, but I would suggest that he was in, um, you know, maybe not quite as often as Max Williams would be, but he was definitely not in for a hugely limited amount of time. Yeah,
0: I mean, like, obviously, with Max Williams gone, there is that vacancy at tight end, and he's come in, probably just made that position his own, hasn't he? You know, with yeah, him, absolutely he's far better tight end. You know, more athletic than Max Williams, bigger than Max Williams, better catcher than Max Williams. You know, he's just like Max Williams on steroids.
1: M- Max Williams plus, absolutely. Max Williams with um, another X. <laughs> yeah, maximum Williams. There we go. Um, but no, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely pleased with him, and and um, you know, it's something that. I think we've even talked about it last week. Um, And and definitely it's been a talking point in the media of, um, you know, Kyler and Zach definitely seem to be on the same plane, Um, definitely to the point where they shared seats on the, or or like shared a row on the plane to and from uh, Cleveland just to get to know each other. And and it definitely felt that they were, um, you know, connecting together well.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just yet another weapon for Cliff Kingsby to utilize in his offense, isn't it? You know,
1: it really like is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the, the like silly thing, isn't it? Is like just, you know, it almost feels, it almost feels, um, it almost feels uh, a little bit like, did we really need another a, another thing? Like, we could have got by without a tight end and just used the, um, the like wide receivers and stuff that we have, but, uh, I'll tell you something, it must make it scary to line up as a defense thinking that like more than half the people on the field are going to be some sort of legitimate threat.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just another thing for a, a defensive coordinator to try and negate, isn't it? But like, if you t- take all your focus to like stop one person, you know, there's like three or four obviously are just going to do damage yeah, themselves, aren't
1: they? It's whack a mole.
0: Pick your poison, like, that sort of thing, as he yeah, said. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. But no, I mean overall, it's we the as we sort of said at the start, the only fault that you could give for the offense was the slow start, and they managed to overcome that. So realistically, it's it's about as good a game as you're going to get.
0: Yeah, I mean, like obviously, had the even with the slow start, they still nearly put up 400 yards of offense.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it was
0: like 397 in total.
1: Yeah, more than made up for it, I think is how you
0: say it. So imagine what it would be like if they had started, you know, from the first whistle, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: I wonder if maybe them losing the coin toss for the first time in the season played into Hmm,
1: Interesting. (laughs) Oh, no, the entire game plan is out the window. We were supposed to win the coin toss.
0: Cliff King's has to tear it all up, doesn't he, start again?
1: (laughs) Um, Well, yeah. I'll tell you something, though. Uh, We've talked a lot about the offense here, but there's a whole different side of the ball who uh, can't be faulted for having a slow start. They really were just at it from the start of the game. Had an excellent game overall, and that's that's obviously the defense.
0: I mean, you know, like when you're holding a team, I mean, any team really, holding them three quarters, not scoring a single point, barely getting any yardage, you know.
1: What more can you say about
0: the Cardinals' defense?
1: And once again, and I think I've made this point far too many times already this podcast, but the defence themselves only gave up three points. That's as close to a clean sheet as it really gets in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I mean as well, like if you think about it as well, the Cardinals defense throughout the season, they've not really given up I think they've given up four touchdowns all season, haven't they?
1: Yeah, it's pretty wild actually. In terms of like defensive performances, they've done just extremely well.
0: I mean, I'm sure it won't carry on for the whole season, but you know, if it does then it could be historically, like, one of the best ever.
1: Yeah, it's the kind of kind of form that, you know, like, as as we've spoken about before, the thing with a good defense is to bend, not break. You know, and, and it, part of a being a good defense is giving up the occasional touchdown, but just making people work for it.
0: Yeah, but this one, I don't think the Texans even bent them at all, did they?
1: Nah, they really didn't. I mean, the... Scored the the drive that they scored the touchdown the touchdown the the field goal on even was just like a nothing drive really anyway, um, and yet more fourth down stops yet more big sacks turnovers tackles we just really didn't let the the Texans offense have any chance at it at all.
0: I mean the Texans offense was limited at best anyway, but we just limited it even more than was seemingly possible.
1: It's yeah. absolutely true, yeah. But again, you know, it's like we, we've spoken about this before, but these are the kind of games that a Cardinals team of a couple of years ago might have gone into and, and somehow found a way to lose.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was another superb outing for Vance Joseph's unit and, of course, his name amongst those who could potentially be head coaches come next season. You know, he's warranted to definitely deserve to be amongst them, doesn't he?
1: yeah i would say so i mean um obviously been been a uh figure of of uh various reputations i guess you would say over the couple of years but definitely the last uh two years i would say he has he's earned himself a uh reputation as somebody who can definitely be leading a good defense and it would continue the uh tradition of Cardinals defensive coordinators from good years going on to to go and do head coaching stuff like uh, Todd Bowles did.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would be a big loss to lose Ranch Joseph, but obviously each year, just like Cliff Kingsbury's offense, you know, they just got better and better and better to where they are now right at the start of this season.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, that's not to say that we're going to lose him immediately, but... um, Overall, you know, you, you can't really even fault a single part of the defense, can you? The the defensive line was excellent, um, yet yeah, again, just terrorizing the line of scrimmage. Um, defensive backs, uh, just excellent coverage overall. And it's not like the Texans are completely devoid of talent at wide receiver. I mean, admittedly, they the guy slinging the ball to them isn't doing too great, but um yeah, you know, the, all, all phases of defense just done really, really well.
0: Yeah, I mean, the defensive line was superb, you know they kept the Texans running game to absolutely nothing, granted the decaying caucuses of Mark Ingram and David Johnson, plus <laughs> Philip Lindsay isn't exactly a talent laden group, is it?
1: No, it's not, and this is the thing you know it's like as as with um basically every time the Cardinals win, you know people are finding excuses as to why they won, and obviously, this week's excuse was, well, it's against the Texans, isn't it? They're hardly a great team but we can only, you know, you can only beat who's in front of you, right? And and I think they did an excellent job in keeping that Texans team to um, just, uh, yeah, basically completely denying them a run game at all. Yeah, I mean, they made life hell
0: for Davis Mills at quarterback, you know, with constant pressure, hitting him, forcing a fumble or two. He didn't get the interception, sadly, but then again, he didn't really have anyone to throw the ball to, did he? So how can I, you pick was- up a ball that's never thrown?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, and, and you know, I think um, given the fact that the coverage, especially deep, was so good, he was never going to throw a ball deep anyway, which are usually the ones that do get picked off in the end. Um, and so it was just basically the the offense that they had was limited to short yardage passes to cooks mostly.
0: Yeah, and also David Johnson check downs. I think he had seven catches in the game for probably like seven yards. It seemed like.
1: Yeah, it really didn't seem like much. So it must have been a pretty measurable time being the Texas offense against this uh, this Cardinals team.
0: There was that one laughable play from David Johnson. I think it was third and 17. They line up for a screen pass. He catches the ball and falls down behind the line.
1: Oh, yeah. So like, that I mean, just sums
0: I, up David Johnson.
1: Yeah, how the mighty have fallen from that one good season that he had. And to think we got DeAndre Hopkins out of it. <laughs> it's wild, isn't it? Uh I I mean we could talk about that one forever. Maybe we'll have to do an, another offseason special on like the retrospective of that trade at some point.
0: I mean, again, we had a number of standout performers on the defense. You know, JJ Watt continued his domination, but again with Sackless. Although not for the want of trying, because he did get to Davis Mills many times. He just couldn't get him down on the field.
1: Yeah, I mean I think it didn't help the fact that the you know the Texans were like triple teaming JJ Watt at certain points. It's almost like after a certain point in the game their primary objective was not to score, but just to make sure that JJ Watt didn't get sacked.
0: Anything to spoil his party and spoil my chart,
1: isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, obviously uh we're now talking about a um uh a, a point where where JJ Watt. Yeah, he didn't get a sack, but he did get just extreme domination of that offense. You know, he he was um clearly all over them. Um, no batted balls at the line, I don't think, this time either, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I don't think he had any finger wags out this week, sadly. But I'm sure they can live on in Twitter, you know, through the GIF form.
1: Yeah. However, um, obviously, uh Marcus Golden, if we're talking about uh defensive lineman as well, uh Having an excellent game overall, and got, we'll, like, we'll see. Whole...
0: We'll, we'll save Marcus Golden chatter for a little bit late. Sure, sure, sure. Because we've got to praise Byron Murphy and Marco Wilson and Robert Olford, who did their jobs as well as they could have done against what they were up against.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what what more can you say about them than the fact that they just managed to completely shut down um, that that secondary? I don't think I saw a Texans pass go for more than like six yards or something like that and then it was like yards after catch the whole time yeah i've not i would it would be interesting to look at
0: like the next gen statistics breakdown of the passes in this one because like you say i don't remember many if any like deep attempts
1: i I think that there was like a few that were like just for a first down you know like 10 plus yards there was like a few of those um but in terms of something that was you know deeper than that like let's say in in the mid-range of 15 to 30 yards, nothing as far. Like, at least that's what I can remember anyway. Imagine being a Texans fan watching that game there.
0: You'd be oh, bored shitless, wouldn't you?
1: Well, I can tell you exactly what it would feel like because it feels like when, you know, we were watching the Cardinals like three seasons ago. That's that's what that must have felt like to them. The Mike, you know, McCoy, you just watch offense. The Mike McCoy offense, like Josh Rosen-led stuff, and you're just like, I just know that the offense is going to come on here and go three and out and then we're going to have to watch the defense struggle and the best we can hope for is slowing them down on a drive before they get a touchdown.
0: Yeah, I mean, another player who deserves a lot of credit in this one was Isaiah Simmons who was once again a one-man wrecking crew. You know, he just looks amazing on the field, doesn't
1: he? He really does and I think... um Isaiah Simmons, like the more I watch him, the more I think that we need to just invent a new position for the guy. Because he really does do it all, doesn't he? I don't
0: think we need to invent a position for him. I think we need to master cloning him. So we can have like (laughs) several of him.
1: (laughs) But he's just like he's like I don't know, what would you call like a a safety that is like completely down on the line, you know, it's like a, a nickel safety or something like that. It's weird.
0: He's like, you know how they used to call a guy like Denard Robinson an offensive weapon? He's basically yes, a defensive yeah. weapon, isn't he?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Just like, what do you need? Like, you set up your play with 10 men, and then you're just like, well, what, what would be the best thing to have in addition to all of this right now? And you've got like anything from like lineman to cornerback, and you just plug Simmons in, and he just seems comfortable everywhere as well. That's the thing.
0: I'm not sure I'd put him at nose tackle though, or anywhere like that.
1: No, maybe not. But you know, like anything, anything beyond pure line play. And it's, he it's, seems to just be just be in there.
0: It's like that meme, isn't it? They're like, what what do you want to play today? I say you And will just say yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but no, he's he's dead impressive and, and um always really fun to watch. It's like, you know, you know, there's there's certain games when you're just like Okay, this is no longer a thing where I need to pay attention to everything that's going on on the field. I'm going to specifically watch Isaiah Simmons this play. I'm just going to see what he does, and and you can just never predict it. You can never predict which direction he's going to run it in. You know,
0: I mean, as well, it's a lot easier to just pick him out, isn't it? Just because of how huge he is compared to yeah. everyone else.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You just it, it's like um, yeah, it's, it's like watching some guys, you know, like oh, this guy's got very distinctive dreads. Like watching Hopkins or something, you're like, okay, I can I can pick him out immediately. Uh, and with Simmons, you're just like, oh, I'll just look for the guy who is monstrously huge. This isn't unfair. How can a human look like that? <laughs> Absolutely.
0: But I suppose the one person who we haven't mentioned, oh, I mean, you did try to sneak a mention of him in just did, about yeah. five minutes ago, but I shut you down. But yes, Marcus Golden. Who was the British bird gang Breakdown Player of the Game from this uh, from this game?
1: And I think deservedly so. You know, it's it's already rare, uh, as we said, to get a defensive player being a Player of the Game. Um, but you know, having having him come out and and um, just have an insane number of sacks and just be all over an offense, you know. Um, Arguably helped by the fact that J.J. Watt was being so tied up, but you can't say he didn't capitalize on the chances he was given.
0: Yeah, I think he finished the game with two sacks and a forced fumble, plus a fumble recovery. Which is pretty wild, right? I mean, mean, that's that's
1: definitely all over.
0: He is the only player in the NFL so far this season with at least six sacks and four forced fumbles. Which is
1: pretty brilliant. You know, it's like, yeah. I think the forced fumbles as well, like a lot of them obviously coming from um, quarterback hits, but he's definitely been hitting um, uh, runners and receivers behind the line of scrimmage as well. Like lots of kind of tackles for loss.
0: Yeah, I mean, he just seems to be everywhere. And the fact that we're paying him barely anything this season is just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was kind of coming back on a sort of prove it deal, wasn't he? And, and my goodness, is he proving it?
0: Well I think he signed a two year nine million deal, so it's basically like four point five million a year. You know,
1: Which is not much of the cap. Yeah. I was gonna say like every time we talk about these guys and like, oh yeah, he's he's signed for the minimum. It's like, oh, okay, he's making like five times what I do. Okay,
0: great. Yeah, but we're not a second NFL quarterback, so are we? I mean we that's, could do, that's... but you know, just yeah, uh... It's not fair on
1: <laughs> Yeah, they they we tried asking and they said, Nah, it wouldn't be fair. Um but there you go, yeah. Uh, obviously, I'm um, eager to see what Marcus Golden and Co. can do against Green Bay this week.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially when they're down several starting offensive linemen. So, you know, J.J. Mm-hmm. Watt, Chandler Jones, and Marcus Golden. So, suppose you say good luck to Aaron Rodgers.
1: Yep. I mean, if there's ever a quarterback who's going to make something stupid happen out of that, it's probably Aaron Rodgers. But um, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here.
0: Yeah, before we go to look at next week's game we've still got some fantasy football to talk about so we'll move on to that as we approach an hour into this podcast <laughs>
1: yeah we've had plenty of positives to get on with um i'm just gonna i'm just gonna give you my fantasy news in one sentence uh lost both games
0: yeah that's fair i mean like mine was a bit of a mixed bag as well this week because we came close to winning a game in the bird bowl but it wasn't to be as 1.5 points separated myself and my opponent,
1: which puts me down to 0 7. You've had a couple of really close losses, haven't you?
0: Well, I mean, last week I was three points off the win. This week, 1.5 points off the win. What's it going to be next week? Like, 0.75 points (laughs) off the win. (laughs) I feel like I'm cursed not to win in that one, but on the plus side, I am winning in the Dynasty League. Nice. Yeah, we were on a... Unlike the Birdgang ball, we were actually on the right side of a close game this week when we overcame beats by DeAndre, 152.36 to 150.62. I held about a 20-ish point lead heading into Monday Night Football, with Ali's side having Alex Collins, Tyler Lockett, Marquez Callaway and Quandre Diggs. You know, that's four players, 20 points. That should be easy in fantasy football, shouldn't it?
1: You and yet, would think somehow, so, somehow right? they
0: didn't manage it.
1: And it's not like we're not a PPR league. Because, you know, it's like... It's, I mean, we are.
0: It, we are PPR
1: league. I was going to say, it's not like we're not. It's It should be simple to get 20 points.
0: But, I mean, I suppose, you know, it's Jameis Winston and Geno Smith at quarterback. So Yeah, true. True. But yeah, now 4-3 for the season in the Dynasty League and 5th f- or 10th overall. So, you know, just out on the outside looking in when it comes to the playoff spots. Yeah,
1: you obviously, could you could go anywhere with that season.
0: Yeah, I mean it's still way too early for the playoffs because I think we still got like a whole eight weeks to go, six to eight weeks before the playoffs even begin to happen. So yeah. Still plenty of time for me to score more points, hopefully. Unlike yourself, obviously.
1: No, I think I'm pretty much out of it, especially because, you know, last year I relied so heavily on Russell Wilson always being just a fair fair weather uh guy to bring me some points, but Obviously, that's uh, not happening for a significant part of this season. Presumably, until the Cardinals play the Seahawks.
0: You fancy trading me, Derek Henry? you you do running back. <laughs> Uh
1: Well, let's let's uh, let's talk about this one later. For now, yeah. uh, let's uh, get on to our our weekly peckhams
0: Yeah, I mean it was a weird one this past week because I only went eight and five with my predictions, which you know is a bit crap, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there was a few little upsets here and there. Um, I actually didn't watch much of the as much football as I usually do because the um the U.S. Grand Prix was on, so I was watching that until pretty much until kickoff actually.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I was enjoying Red Zone for as always, and yeah, there were some surprise results. I say surprise results is they it were surprises because I picked them wrong. <laughs> so I would
1: consider them surprised. Yeah, I, I guess. Also, last week we were talking about a lot of them were uh, toss-up games, weren't they?
0: Yeah, I mean, this week looks a lot more straightforward. When we seem to have one difference, possibly.
1: Uh, I see two there, three, four. Yeah, we've got we've got four differences. That's that's reasonable.
0: That's fair enough. So my my screen hasn't updated with them. So I suppose you'll have to read them out.
1: Sure thing. Well, we are going for the same. Uh, We're both going for Carolina to beat Atlanta, Buffalo to beat Miami. We're going for Indianapolis to beat Tennessee, Cincinnati to beat the Jets, the Rams over Houston, uh, the Chargers over New England. We're both going for Denver to beat Washington, Tampa Bay to beat New Orleans, Dallas to beat Minnesota, and Kansas City to beat the Giants. So that's pretty, uh, pretty reasonable predictions all around there
0: yeah i'd agree with that i mean obviously because i put most of them down.
1: <laughs> yeah i i don't think either of us are picking hugely against the spread with those however uh, as i said there are four differences the first of which being um san francisco versus the bears um where tom you've chosen san francisco
0: yeah i mean obviously neither side looked really good this past week didn't they? so it's a bit of a taller nah, really. ball
1: <laughs> it's definitely not the most exciting uh game to watch. But um I'm going with Chicago here because I think overall they've got probably more more upside. Um obviously San Francisco have uh weapons and stuff and they've got um but I think that they're starting Jimmy Garoppolo again. Um, you know, they they're just it's it's hard for me to pick for San Francisco at the moment because I feel like not only do they not only are they lacking a lot of people from injury, but they're also finding many ways to shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, I
0: mean, like I wouldn't really like to pick San Francisco because, you know, I enjoy seeing them suffer and being near the bottom of the NFC West. But Chicago just didn't look good at all this past week. So
1: yeah, I can't see I it being it's... a
0: really high-scoring game, but, you know, probably no, will be an
1: I, I... I think I think that's the tricky thing is, like, it's not going to be... I, I it's definitely a toss up of a game and it's going to kind of depend on on like the approach that both teams take going into it. I could almost see it being the kind of game where it's like the first team that scores is going to be the team that wins because the other one's just going to be given up basically.
0: Yeah, what was next up on the make on the changes on
1: on the changes uh next up we've um you've gone for Pittsburgh to beat Cleveland but I've gone for Cleveland to beat Pittsburgh. Yeah I just think
0: you know Cleveland are just riddled with injuries at the moment aren't they and Pittsburgh just aren't so a battle of attrition really more than anything.
1: Yeah I mean I, I see where you're coming from but for me I, I just see Big Ben continuing to deteriorate every week and just get worse and worse. Um meanwhile you know it's like it's not as though He's got a hugely talented team around him. Like, yeah, he's got Juju, who seems to be able to be, you know, bringing in all these passes and stuff. But Big Ben seems to spend more of the game, like, on his ass than he does on his feet. I mean, Juju's out for the season. Is he? Shit, so he is.
0: Yeah, you can do some TikToks in his hospital bed or something.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. Even more reason for me to pick Cleveland there, as yeah. injured as they are.
0: I mean, I can see Miles Garrett, like, licking his lips, you know, seeing an immobile Ben Roethlisberger in the backfield all the time. It's another
1: one for his uh, cemetery, isn't it?
0: Exactly. Of which Kyler isn't in.
1: Apparently, yeah, yeah. Did you see the uh, footage from that? I think that came out after we podcasted last week, the footage of um, Kyler asking Miles, like, hey, why am I in your your, uh, cemetery?
0: Yeah, it was, like, for motivation or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then they compromise, well, at least you didn't say RIP among on that. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> oh, dear. They're a strange bunch, NFL players. They are a strange bunch, that's for sure. Um, you got anything more to say on Pittsburgh-Cleveland? No, just that I hope I'm right. Sure, fair enough. Um, we've got Philly versus Detroit, um, and you're taking Philadelphia, which I think is the smart money there.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just depends on which Detroit turns up, isn't it? it? Because if they're like the uh, fuck it, you're just gonna kick onside every time, you know, then maybe they might win this game, but you know, Philadelphia are just a strange one. I don't yeah. know why I'm picking them.
1: No, I, I, I would say Philadelphia's probably the favourites for this one because they're you know, they they are probably at the core a good NFL team, but they do seem to be throwing away some some wins here and there at the moment. Um Whereas as i said i've I've picked Detroit because I would really like to see this Detroit playbook of we're just not gonna give you the ball we're just we we don't care like we know that we're the worst team, and we're just gonna play like we know we're the worst team and, and do our best to to stop you having any opportunities and and I think that'd be cool to watch, yeah, I mean it's obviously
0: not a game I'd really want to watch anyway but it probably no. be on red zone quite a bit because you know that's what we were able to watch this week with us playing early
1: yeah absolutely especially uh like this is the one of the early early games as well so um th- and then i
0: think as well is not this this
1: sorry is this the week where
0: everything kicks off an hour early uh i think our clocks changed really late this year um i am going to check because i'm sure i looked on fantasy the other day and it was like maybe you might be right yeah, it is, it's this week. The clock? It's this week, okay. Back or forward or whatever, but the NFL games kick off at five o'clock, so that's what we care about.
1: Whether it's clock forward or back backwards, thirty first of October. There you go. Why does um, it have to be two days
0: after we play? Could have done with us kicking up <laughs> at twenty past.
1: Yeah, uh, I think especially for a bloody Thursday night game. Oh well. Um, and then the final difference before we can finally get onto that game preview that we're itching for, um. I'm taking Jacksonville over Seattle and you're taking Seattle.
0: I mean I I, I did pick Jacksonville to win their London game. But yeah. you know I just I just don't know, like, can they cope with Seattle with all the noise and everything? 'Cause it's not I like think, they have noise in Jacksonville, do
1: they? No, it's not really. My my thought is that Seattle are such a wounded team right now and you know they they clearly don't have the that much scoring ability you know they're just they're just so hobbled um that i think that jacksonville might be looking into this going again like this might be one of our few chances for a win this season let's just take it right now
0: yeah i mean i could see that being the case and and as well you know know. just,
1: just going in with that extra motivation
0: yeah, I mean, people are starting to question Pete Carroll. Should he be shifted on from Seattle? You know, has it been? Mm. is it his time up, that sort of thing?
1: Well, just given the fact that it's become so evident that Seattle as a team has been propped up, uh, propped up by Russell Wilson for so long, you know, it's like the minute Russell Wilson's unable to play, that's when the cracks are all showing now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can see that being the case. But obviously, he'll be back before long, won't he? Definitely before we play them. Which is always uh,
1: gonna yeah. be the case. Yeah, uh, probably. If not the week before we play them, then the week that we do play them. Typically, apparently, is he's healing reasonably well now. But there we go. So yeah, that's the that's the weekly pickums for this week, uh, with all of our differences laid bare. Um, which means that we can get on to the game preview.
0: Yep, the final game that we didn't preview in the weekly pickems, even though we know which way we're both going to pick for this one anyway. I'm sure. Anyway. Anyone-
1: uh, yeah um so the green bay packers uh coming to the cardinals on a thursday night matchup so we don't get any halloween football this year um but it's uh one of the oldest rivalries in the sport 100 years since their first encounter about um when the clubs battled to a three all draw on november 20th 1921 um so this is oh specifically this is the second oldest rivalry in the nfl I'm not sure what um, the
0: oldest one is. Probably like Chicago versus someone. Someone who's been around forever.
1: Uh be- yeah, one one of one of these really old teams. Well, it can't be Chicago because Chicago was the Cardinals at the time. So it's it's gonna be one of these other really old teams. Yeah. Um,
0: I suppose yeah. Should have actually looked it up, but you know we don't care. It's not a Cardinals thing, so
1: <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it was another Cardinals thing where it's just like, oh yeah, it's, it's just the Cardinals versus a different team like Philadelphia or something. I mean, um, as
0: well, it is the big the best combined win percentage for a Thursday night game in October or later in the Super Bowl era with a win percentage of zero point nine two nine percent.
1: It's a um, it's a strange choice for a Thursday night game, really, isn't it? I mean, it's obviously th- this one has not been changed; it's been on the schedule since the start. And I think you know, if you were going with like each team's expected trajectory at the start of the season, it made a bit more sense then. But this is a hugely prime time game.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are people saying, you know, why aren't they flexing it to like Sunday night football or something like that? But you know. First night football is still a marquee game in the NFL calendar. Even though oh, we yeah. hate it as British fans.
1: <laughs> it's definitely one of the harder ones to watch as a British fan, that's for sure. Like just kicking off at what, one in the morning or something like that on a on a um Friday morning.
0: Yeah, very early Friday morning football, we can call it.
1: Yeah. Um it's the worst part is it's like it's not you know, if it was a few hours later, it would almost make sense to, like, go for an early bed and then get up early and watch it. But it's just not, you know, it's like, doesn't quite work either way.
0: I mean, I think it is doable, you know, like, say you go bed at, like, eight o'clock, something like that, you get five hours of sleep. You know, it's definitely yeah. not your recommended amount of hours, but, you know, it's only Friday. I mean, I'm sure you can the- zombie your way through it.
1: If it's a fast enough game as well, you could like, you know, be back in bed and for another couple hours in the morning as well.
0: I don't know, it depends what time your alarm is, because mine's at like half
1: past five.
0: So yeah, yeah I don't think you're... I'm sleeping back afterwards.
1: <laughs> you're a nutcase though, so um It is true. <laughs> um, but anyway, we've got uh Thursday night football against a COVID hit Green Bay.
0: Yeah, I mean, the defensive coordinator has already tested positive. And then last night, we had the news of Devontae Adams being placed on the list, which, I mean, would he, it is possible he could make the game, but considering he's on the yeah. list, you know, he does need to deliver two negative tests in 24 hours. So, you know, definitely be cutting it fine if he is to make it for the game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Especially a game when, you know, it's it's... As you sort of said, Thursday night game, it's a close one for that. Um, but yeah, uh and obviously without their defensive coordinator, we've seen the Cardinals go without it as well. But what we haven't seen is the Cardinals go with such an insane amount of injuries. Um, just shall I just list them out here?
0: I mean, you can do, but you know, we've suffered with injuries before, you know, next man up mentality.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Don't get me wrong, we've we've had injury-prone games as well. But that being said, Green Bay is without their all pro wide receiver, Devontae Adams, their all pro left tackle, David Bactiari, their all pro all pro cornerback, Jari Alexander, all pro offensive lineman, uh, uh offensive linebacker, sorry, uh um oh, did I say Zedarius offensive Smith. linebacker? Did I say offensive linebacker instead of you outside linebacker? Yes. Zadarius Smith. Um wide receiver Marcus uh Valdez Scatling. Outside linebacker Preston Smith, center Josh Myers, and cornerback Kevin King. So that's a not insignificant list of uh, of players.
0: Yeah, I mean there's some really good players in amongst that list as well. So it's like Yeah,
1: backtiari obviously being a big one. Um Jerry Alexander, uh even Josh Myers, you know, like that's that's a big hit to their offensive line. And then obviously the marquee name there being Devante Adams.
0: Yeah, I mean, like obviously if you think back to the 2015 game against the Packers, where it finished, I think it was, was it 20, 20 or 30, 30, one of the two. He had Jeff Janis as wide receiver number one, did Aaron Rodgers. So it's like yeah, that's... he's been able to be competitive against us, even with nobody's at wide receiver. So I wouldn't I take think, that with a um, pinch of salt.
1: Yeah, I, I would definitely say that um, if we're going to be talking about danger men here, Aaron Rodgers has to be danger man number one, right? Because we just know that he can make something from nothing.
0: I mean, I do just have some breaking news while we're talking about COVID list. Go on then. The Packers have now placed wide receiver Alan Lazard on Whoa. the reserve COVID list. And he's the one who had a really good game on
1: Sunday for them. How how, um, how many do they have to get in before it's like a, a what you call it, a, a forfeit or whatever?
0: I'm not sure what it is, but I know they are already in the higher level of protocols. You know, like they have to wear masks, yeah. virtual meetings, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, they must be, because um, that sounds a lot like an outbreak right now. Um, well, I mean, best of luck to them. I I wouldn't want to win by by default. You know, I'd I'd much rather see the Cardinals play than than have no game go ahead.
0: Yeah, I mean, like there is the possibility. I'm not sure they would be able to though, because, you know, having to rearrange it all, but, you know, there is a chance it could be rescheduled for later in the season.
1: That's but true, yeah. You would have uh, to
0: juggle a lot of things around, and I don't I, think I th- they're willing to do that in the NFL this year as much.
1: I think that the standard protocol this year for the NFL is basically, like, if you, if you have enough COVID cases that you have to not go to a game, you forfeit it and you lose automatically by, like, Three points or something silly.
0: That would end our streak of scoring over 30 points.
1: Bastard. It sure it sure would. Um, I don't know how the stats would uh, would reflect that exactly, but it's like it's it's some odd odd uh, way of doing it where it's like yeah you you lose three now that's the that's the game decided. Um, but I suspect that they will have to have more uh, COVID tests than that because obviously. When I the the list that I read out there um, is injuries as well as COVID. Uh, So it's not just, it's not that they've already got like eight people out with COVID already.
0: No, I think they've only got two at the moment. Obviously, Adams and now Lizard, as I just was able to do my Adam Schefter impression and break it to everyone.
1: Although, obviously, by the uh, time they listen to the podcast, they'll already be well known anyway. it's, it's, It's long broken, yeah. Um, well, I think ultimately what this does is it leaves us with one thing left to do and it leaves it making it uh, extra difficult and that is making a call, making a prediction on this game.
0: I mean, I do think we'll both be going for an Arizona win, won't we? It'll just be a case of how by how many points?
1: Yeah, and I do think um, of this is going to be another game much like the game against the... Um, the rams much like a game against you know it's like these are games that we're going into with against a difficult opponent um and i don't expect us to <coughs> excuse me to hold green bay to five points or anything but um on average we've been giving up 17 points on average we've been scoring 33 now i'll adjust that slightly for the fact that green bay is a better opponent than than most and i'll give them 21 points and i'll say that the cardinals score 33
0: I mean, I was going to stick with the thirty-three because I've got thirty-three, seventeen. Arizona.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, why not? Why not? Um, as I Wait. said, I'm given given um, Green Bay a little bit more because they are they are a good team um, with injuries or not.
0: Just depends if there are any wide receivers when it comes to the game, because you know. I yeah, mean, absolutely. You did mention Marquez Valdez scandaling on the list, but I believe he has been activated from injured reserve. Okay. Like before that, after that tweet was sent out. So
1: <clears throat> I wonder, I wonder how much of that is going to be um, just the fact that they need somebody and maybe he's going to be on limited snaps or something like that.
0: Well, I mean, given the way things are going, he might be the wide receiver one for them. <laughs>
1: might be, might be. Um, yeah. Next man up, I suppose.
0: But I'm sure we'll soon find out because. It's only a few days away from the game. And by the time you listen to this podcast, it might actually be game day for you.
1: So, you know. Yeah, indeed. I'm um, got to rush this one out, I think. So, before
0: we go, we should do the plugs as always. So, if you're not following us on Twitter, go follow us at British Bird Gang, where we're approaching 5,000 followers now after Get, yeah, ridiculous really... month so far.
1: <laughs> yeah, really getting close up there. If you're on
0: Facebook, like us at facebook.com forward slash British Bird Gang. Join the group at Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash British Bird Gang by British Bird Gang Merch at Britishbirdgang.tmail dot com. And of course, if you like what, what if you like what you listen to on the podcast, then please leave us a review, wherever it is you listen to your podcast, and share it with everyone you know is an Arizona Cardinals fan. You know, more the yeah. merrier when it comes to listening. Yeah, abso- numbers.
1: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. But until then, thanks for listening and we'll see you again next week when we're probably Still recovering from the very late night on Thursday Friday.
1: <laughs> yeah, just gonna be like totally, totally messed up and um, hopefully I'll be in my, my new house then as well. So hopefully it'll be less echoey than this empty room is. But
0: until then, thanks for listening and goodbye.
1: Goodbye. See you next week.